everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today, we're discussing Blade Runner 2049, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Wanted to go back and check out Blade Runner 2029, mostly because Denis Villeneuve just released his new sci-fi epic on HBO Max and in theaters. Same day release for the U.S., I guess. Um, and it was just magnificent to watch. I was like, I need more Denis Villeneuve in my life. Um, before I go any further, I just wanted to give a big shout out to everyone that's been watching the Lugdale podcast thumbs upping, subscribing, following on uh, Twitch and Twitter and all the all the social medias. And uh, what is – Facebook's not even Facebook anymore or it is or it's not. It's the metaverse, spiderverse. It's something like that. I'm not really sure what's going on there. No one really knows. It's taking on this life of its own. This is just the beginning. I um, want to give a quick shout out to uh, a couple buddies of mine, um, J-Dog. Does everyone have a friend named Jay and they – Call him J Dog at the end, or is it just me? But what up, J Dog? I appreciate you giving everybody a, a heads up about the Lucky Dog podcast and spreading the word about um, the podcast. Um, also, Cam, what's up? Just giving everybody, some of my good friends, a shout out, and everybody in the uh, Double Toaster community as well. Uh, I know I got a lot of new followers and subscribers coming from the Double Toaster world. So, Thank you for supporting the Lucky Dog Podcast. So today we are talking about about um, about about um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, a twenty seventeen American neo noir science fiction film directed by Denis Villeneuve and written by Hampton Francher and Michael Green, a sequel to the nineteen eighty two Blade Runner film. The film stars Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. Pretty pretty good uh, duo right there. Ana de Armas, really liking her uh, comeuppance in the new film world as well. I believe she was in um, Knives Out as well. Excuse me if you hear the, the, the train in the background. There's not much I can do about that. Just go run out there and be like, stop the train! Podcasting, <laughs> you know, can't really do that. So, um, pretty sure Anand Armas was in Knives Out. She was the lead in that. Yeah, she was. Um, among being uh, very popular in Spain, teen drama El Internado. Um, damn, yeah. So she was. She's been in like a lot of uh, international stuff as well. War Dogs. Um, she was in um, Knock Knock, I guess. I have not seen that actually, um, but I really like some Ana de Armas. Um, Savia Hayek's uh, Robin Wright, Mackenzie Davis, Carla uh, Jury. Um, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing some of these names wrong. I always fuck up the names. They always fuck me up. Um, Lenny James. Oh, I love some Lenny James. He's from Walking Dead from 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 my knowledge. I know he's been in a lot more than that. Um, excellent uh, English actor, I believe. Isn't he English? Um, yeah, he is. Um, and of course, your boy Dave Batista. Dave Batista is just making his way across all of film. I he really did a, a rock. Uh, he did like the opposite of The Rock. The Rock went for mainstream family cinema, sometimes hard uh, action, 
like uh, think about Walking Tall or The Rundown or something like that, like knockdown, drag out, smack, fighting with The Rock. But Dave Batista decided to kind of go with uh, a different direction, um, even though they both come from like I think wrestling backgrounds, from what I believe. Um, like a WWE, I'm not 100% sure what the heck's going on over there, but um, I like how Dave Batista has kind of gone where The Rock has gone more mainstream. Dave Batista has decided to kind of go um, more genre based and uh, been a little bit more choosy, pick and choosy about his um, projects. So we also have uh, Jared Leto in here as a uh, supporting roles. Dave Batista is technically a supporting role. Um, and of course, Ford and Edward James, uh, almost, uh, uh, I think almost, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Sorry. Reprise their roles for the original film. Gosling plays K, a Nexus nine replicant blade runner who, who uncovers a secret that, uh, threatens to destabilize society and the course of civilization. So just like we were talking about in Dune, Blade Runner is an extremely dense sci-fi as well. Um, need to uh, probably watch it two or three times to kind of get the full story underneath your belt. And I didn't have time to do that, unlike Dune. What was this? This was another whopper of a movie, 163 minutes. What's that, like two and a half hours or something like that? It's a thick boy. She's a thick, juicy movie right there. And, of course, it's going to look beautiful because we have um, – uh, what's it? Uh, Roger Deakins behind the camera. I mean, Roger Deakins is legendary cinematographer. He brings some of the best colors and lights and uh, uh, camera shots that you can even think of. The last movie I saw in theaters, I believe, before the pandemic hit was 1917. And I just remember it was a freaking epic movie. I saw it in IMAX and Roger Deakins is the cinematographer for that. And it's just like an epic war thriller. And they're just like going through the battlefields like, yeah, it's like losing my shit doing it. Like things were blowing up. I was like having to hold on to my hat in the theater. I was like, I was like, this is like next level. And it was beautiful on top of that. So having Roger Deakins, um, be the cinematographer and another beautiful, uh, uh, movie is, I mean, it, 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 it goes hand in hand. It's like Roger Teakins brings just phenomenal, um, views and, um, different looks than you're ever going to find in any other types of film as well. And, uh, let me make sure that I have, uh, da -da 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 -da. Was he? No, he, he was not. The cinematographer in the original one. So the original Blade Runner was directed by uh, Bly. Can't talk today. The original uh, movie was directed by Ridley Scott, of course, and it, it had uh, Harrison Ford and uh, Rutger Hauer uh, in it, starring in some of the main roles, um, and of course uh, Mary Sean Young. But the cinematographer was Jordan Cronith, Cronin with. And, uh, so I think they did an excellent job for Blade Runner 2049 to kind of have a, a, a sequel that matched up to it. And it's not exactly placed in a way that you have to see the original. I have only seen the original Blade Runner, the final cut. I know there's like 20 different cuts of that movie. I saw the Blade Runner, the final cut, um, 
I want to say like five years ago. And when I watched it, it was just, it, it went right over my head. I was like, I, I don't know if I got any of that. It's one of those movies you probably got to watch multiple times to understand on different levels and that type of thing. So I felt like this movie was a lot more accessible in that in that way. And the way that they told the had this cinematic story language in this, it's just a lot more um, cohesive and to, easier to understand and digest, even though it is, um, I would consider this a relatively slow burn, just like all of Denis Villeneuve's films. Most of them are pretty slow burn. Dune, relatively slow burn, very atmospheric and grand scale. Um, but the action... Um, was good, but it's that's I don't think that's his strong suit in it. And kind of in the same realm, Blade Runner, I think the the epic scaling shots of the feel of a lived in world is what he really uh, and he he's that's what you hire Villeneuve to do to make you feel like you are in a real world. Um, think of Rival. Um, just for the plot, I'm just going to tell you what the plot of Arrival is, is that, you know, they're trying to connect with and contact with aliens that are on, you know, the world. And it actually feels like the, op, you know, the logistical operations of real, real world happening. So Blade Runner 49 naturally feels like that as well. It feels very much a lived in operational logistical world that he creates and it feels um, very lived in. So. Um, the ideas for a Blade Runner sequel were first were first proposed in the 1990, but were first proposed in the 1990s, but licensing issues stalled uh, development. Andrew Koskov and Broderick Johnson obtained the rights for the uh, Bud Yorkin. Ridley Scott stepped down as the film's initial director and worked as an EP executive producer, while Villeneuve was later appointed to, to direct. Blade Runner 2049, and was financed through a partnership between Alcone Entertainment and Sony Studios. Now, there is some big logistical issues when it comes to the financial parts of this movie. This movie was expensive, super expensive. Um, so we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um uh, so it was funded by Sony and Alcon Entertainment and as well as a Hungarian funded tax uh, rebate. So uh, Warner Brothers, on behalf of Alcon, distributed the film in North America while Sony handled the distribution in international markets. Um, principal photography took place mostly at two sound stages in Budapest over four months from July to November 2016. Blade Runner 2049 uh, premiered in L.A. on October 3rd, 2017 and was released in the United States in 2D and 3D and IMAX. I would be interested to see this one in maybe – obviously IMAX would be phenomenal. I wish I could go back and see that. Um, 3D would be interesting, but I'm not sure if it would really lend anything to the movie and sometimes it, it darkens frames. So I wonder why they do that sometimes. So the film received uh, – an received an acclaim from critics who praised the performances, direction, and cinematographies in editing slash music score, production design, and visual effects. I got to say, pretty much I agree with all of that because it feels like a film that is hitting on all cylinders, but to the point where it is so dense in the narrative that it's really hard to market something like that. 
and the faithfulness to the original film. It was widely considered among one of the best films of 2017. However, um, however, it was a box office disappointment. I kind of agree because in a way, I think they overestimated a how much of a fan base the original movie had, even though Blade Runner, the aesthetic has influenced so many more sci-fi films. I don't think the actual Blade Runner movie um, before 2049 was really in the cultural zeitgeist. It almost needed to be revamped in a smaller form. And I mean, putting this much money behind it obviously was good for the the look and the feel and uh, the, the natural organic feel of this movie, but it also cost them an arm and a leg. And so it was a box office disappointment grossing 260 million worldwide, which is what you would want, at least in the United States, not just worldwide. Um, so against a production budget of 150 to 185 million, you got what you want to do from what I hear is you want to have three times your movie budget. So if they spent 150 to 185, basically they spent just about 200 million, give or take the marketing. So you would want to make about 600 million back to be considered a successful film. And they were barely making anything back at the house. You know, at the the casino house, at the, I I call it like you know rolling the dice sometimes because uh, this isn't a prime example of a major uh, movie that got tons of funding, but I just don't think they knew how to market it. Um, so Blade Runner twenty forty nine was nominated for and won several accolades ninetieth uh, at the ninetieth Academy Awards won best cinematography Roger Deakins if Roger Deakins is in the mix it's hard to not give it to him because um, he's that good so whoever is going up against him has really got to bring their their A game so uh, they they won best cinematography and best visual effects I mean what the heck is going to go against this um, and nominated. Uh, for best sound editing and best sound mixing and best production design. Um, I agree with all of it. Um, it received eight nominations at the 71st British Academy Film Awards, including best director and best cinematography and best visual sound effects. Sorry, best visual effects. Um, I think they said sound mixing as well. I think the sound is phenomenal. I just got my uh, DJ speakers installed and my... Um, in my studio right now, if you're watching on the 360 cam, we got one a 360 cam for people on uh, the podcast.com. You can see the actual inside of the studio, um, but we have the projection of Blade Runner above us. And when we were listening on the big speakers, oh my gosh, you can just feel the rumble. I love the, you know, if you listen to the, uh, uh, the different car sounds and stuff like that of the future, just phenomenal i love the look i love the how they share the marketing the capitalism i love how i'm not sure i love it but i i love how it's portrayed and and shown in the movie it's just one of those movies that just feels like holy shit this is going to be the future holograms are going to bust out of nowhere they're going to do a little dance for me and they're going to be like 1999 um and you can like it's literally going to be insanity in the future with regards of marketing and people trying to uh uh push capitalism as well as they showed some of the more underbelly sides of uh 
what was it? The Blade Runner world. It like prostitution and stuff like that. I was just like, this is insanity. It's, it's all going to go back to the replicants or the, the robots or whatever you want to call them. I, I'm just going to call them the bots, the, the robots, uh, you know, I don't know, but the, this whole movie. So I'm going to start going into the plot of the movie. It's a little bit dense. So give me some time to kind of, uh, work through it. Uh, Benjamin Wallafish, Wallachef, Wallfish, fish. I'm sorry. Benjamin Wallfish is uh, one of the other uh, composers, along with Hans Zimmer. So, of course, it's going to have some of the most warm music. Um, and Hans Zimmer, well, I heard Paul Shear talk about this in his, one of his podcasts that it feels like the last 10 years have been defined by Hans Zimmer. For better or for worse, I, I kind of agree. Um, I'm excited for new sounds in his music and um, not always leaning into the warm of it all. So I did watch this on HBO Max for whatever that means. I'm not sure if that means it's a different cut than anything, but it looked like just the standard cut. Let's hop into the spoiler section let me see if there's anything I need to talk about. Joe Walker, I'm not really sure anything about him. 12 Years a Slave editor and uh, one best editing in Sicario. Okay, so he's worked with um, Villeneuve before. Okay. And Arrival. Okay, so this is Dilla, this is Villeneuve's guy. This is probably why all of his movies have some of the same pacing. So if you like Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner forty nine, the pacing in it. Oh, and he was the was he the guy in Dune too? Okay, so this is Villeneuve's guy. I mean, he's been with Villeneuve for the past one, two, three, four movies already. Um, so yeah, I didn't realize that he keeps the same editor as well kind of changes up the cinematographer because I'm sure Deacons is busy as bejesus. Um, I wonder if Deacons was even working during um, uh, COVID and whatnot. I'm kind of curious what's under his belt real quick. I got to check. Uh, I got to see what else. Deacons, Deacons, Deacons. Okay, so after Blade Runner 2049, he did The Goldfish. I was a little, I didn't see that. 1917, same year. Empire of Light, that was another Sam Mendes. Sorry, we're kind of going off the track a little bit, um, but I'm just looking at to see our Project Hail Mary, a Phil Lord and Chris Miller movie. So a Phil, a comedy probably? He's going to, damn, I don't think he's done a comedy in a while. Maybe Hail Caesar a little bit with the Coens. Um, anyway, let's get back to Blade Runner 2049. We can get lost in the Roger Deakins hole in another day. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. So from here, I just want to let everyone know that uh, if you have not seen Blade Runner 2049, we're going to start talking about the plot in detail and spoilers and all that goodness and all that jazz. I appreciate you subscribing, thumbs upping, uh, doing whatever you can to support the podcast. I just want to let you know this. Uh, sorry, this movie's probably about an eight out of ten. Um Still one of the one of the best looking movies I've I've seen in the past decade. Uh, it's hard to say that Villeneuve's movies aren't, but 
The thing about Villeneuve, just like I talked about in Dune, was the problem of the coldness of his worlds. And sometimes the coldness of his characters can be um, a little bit hard to relate to with regards of having an emotional reaction. I was not like uh, feeling super attached to these characters, even though I loved Gosling's performance. Harrison Ford is always charismatic pretty much in everything he's in. So, um, I'd say that's, that, that's my biggest thing is I, I didn't feel like I had a super emotional reaction to it. Um, so that's why I keep it at an eight out of 10, still one of the best looking movies I've seen and very inspirational to try to recreate with regards of, you know, the color and the feel of the lived in world. But, um, Obviously, uh, with a budget that high, it's it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So let's hop into the spoilers section. Um, once again, thank you for subscribing and watching the Luggedal Podcast. Luggedalpodcast.com. Check out the Patreon. You could be listening to this early, fast, or full review on Patreon.com. One dollar. This is under the one dollar tier because this movie is over five years old. Um, wait, is it five years old? Wait. We'll just categorize it for a reason. <laughs> but uh, I, in the future, it'll be over five years old. <laughs> um, so um, it's technically, uh, I'll just release it for free. Don't worry about it. Um, but we do have movies that are over, over five years old um, that need to be put in the podcasting. So um, podcasting section for Patreon. So, yes. Hop on out if you are uninterested in the um, spoiler section for this. And here we go into the spoiler section for what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> I'm like, I spaced out. I'm like, where am I? Oh, oh shit. Yeah. So, oh, goodness. Yeah. So we, we just missed the cutoff 27, 2017. So that's what is that? Four or five, four years. Um I can't do math while I'm doing podcasting, uh, but yeah, that's it doesn't hit the threshold yet. But still, we'll we'll, we'll throw it in there. Um, we we'll still have other podcasts coming down the tube for the Patreons, um, animations, uh, anim shows, reviews on animated shows. Uh, just watched the first Ed, Ed and Eddie. What the hell were they even smoking on that? Oh, my Jesus. That is a scarring show and sometimes a little bit too relatable in some areas. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in the Patreon. That's under the $2 tier for that. And, of course, you can subscribe anytime, download them all, and then unsubscribe anytime you want. So, you know, hop in $1, $2, $5 level, whatever you can do to help support the podcast. So now we are in the spoiler section. For Blade Runner 2049. That's so disappointing. They only made $259 million on this movie. I might need to go back and watch the uh, the trailer to kind of understand why they really flopped on this. Like, how do you sell, sell this and not make it look like a million bucks? And it has people that we know. I guess maybe because it's so long. I, I feel like the majority of people don't look... At the time when they're going to the movies, they just go to the movies. But I guess it's, you know, it was a different world back then. Let me just watch this real quick. Um, give me 20 seconds. All right. So 
Oh, you got the warm. Damn, just dropped them like that. Happy birthday. Wow. Oh, I like the red logos on Warner Brothers. Robin Wright was good in this, just not enough. Okay. Jesus looks beautiful. I can even see some of the 1917 shots in this. I didn't realize it was Deacons. I do got to say that Harrison Ford is maybe in 30 minutes of the movie. Oh my gosh, that the sex scene was next level. Ooh. Oh, that action scene was sick. Actually, I think I like the action in this a little bit better than Dune. Okay, so I, I can kind of see why people had a problem with that a little bit. Okay, so maybe it's two different things. One, they give no insight to what the heck is going on in that movie. It just shows like a bunch of cool visuals. It has like all of our favorite actors and actresses. We just got people going all over the place and it is like the coolest looking thing. They don't even barely show. They show like a splash of Dave Batista and Jared Leto. No Lenny James. Probably would have been nice to have him in there. Um, but they don't have Gosling kind of saying anything in it, and I guess that could be a problem. I noticed that sometimes Villeneuve just likes having his actors like act, and I understand that, but not to the point where it's like, oh, shit. Uh, I don't know if our actors are emoting enough that it's going to um, come across as, oh, this is what they meant or this is how they feel. Sometimes his actors can be so cold, like uh, Tim T which is what his name is, I think, Timothy Chalamet and Ryan Gosling both have the <clears throat> the quote-unquote pretty boy aesthetic that they look great on camera, but sometimes they can just kind of look, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, sad and mopey for kind of uh, just reasons, you know, mm, eh, yeah, that kind of thing. And uh, it's uh, kind of like looking off into the camera or down a dark hallway or something like that. Mm hmm. Just moping and sad. Um, it, they both have somewhat of that aesthetic a little bit, and sometimes it can be cold and harder to relate to. Um, let's talk about the plot of Blade Runner 2049 in spoiler sections, uh, in the spoiler section right now. 
Again, you can get this full review on patreon.com slash podcast. And you can find that on luckadollpodcast.com as well and all the other social medias. Here's the plot. In 2049, bioengineered humans known as replicants are slaves. K, short for his serial number, KDS3, sorry, K, KD6 3.7, a Nexus replicant works for Los Angeles Police Department, LAPD. You remember Chris Tucker? As a Blade Runner, an officer who hunts and retires kills rogue replicants. Um, that's... Uh, Ryan Gosling's job, he has to basically go whoop some ass till, you know, take in the old models and uh, get rid of them. Basically, think of them as like the iPhone 50s with legs and the iPhone 50s have to go take out the iPhone 49s with a gun. So that's what the future is going to hold up. So he retires Nexus 8, replicant Sapper Morton, and finds a box buried under a tree at Morton's protein farm. The box contains the remnants of a female who died during a C-section, demonstrating that replicants can reproduce biologically and previously thought, thought impossible. Um, I did notice from the slash film cast, the Dune review though, uh, that one of the, the hosts on there has talked about how Denny Villeneuve likes to have this through line of, uh, difficult pregnancies and pregnancy being kind of a through line in a lot of his movies, the movies I've kind of talked about recently, um, kind of all revolve around that a little bit. This one is a big one. This one's a major one. I don't want to give away too many details, but a lot of his movies do have that through line in them. I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't think about that when I was watching um, Dune the first time. So Kay's superior, Lieutenant Joshi, which is, uh, I believe, Robin Wright's character, fears that this could lead a war between humans and replicants. Um, she orders Kay to find and retire the replicant child to hide the truth. So get rid of, you know, get rid of the uh, the old model that is trying to um, uh, trying to have babies. And so this is kind of a, a discussion of like AI and when does life begin kind of thing. We've had this discussion really in depth in um, the West world. Um, conversations we've had in uh, the podcast on there. That you go check those out if you're interested in more AI talk. Um, those are very much in the same realm. So Kay visits the Wallace Corporation headquarters, the successor to the de to the defunct Tyrell Corporation, and the manufacturer of replicants. Wallace Wallace's staff members identify the deceased female from the DNA archives as Rachel. <laughs> not Batman's Rachel, just Rachel, regular Rachel. She's Rachel, an experiment replicant designed by Dr. Eldon Tyrell. Kay learns of Rachel's romantic ties with former Blade Runner Rick Deckard. Rick Deckard being um, Harrison Ford from the first movie. Um, Wallace Corporation CEO Nyander Wallace wants to discover the secret to the replicant uh, 
replication, sorry, the secret formula, the Krabby Patty formula to the reproduction to expand interstellar colonization. He thinks that he needs to just expand life among uh, the world. He sends his replicant enforcer, Love, to steal Rachel's uh, remains and follow Kay to Rachel's child. At Morton's farm, Casey's 61021 carved in the tree trunk and recognizes it from a childhood memory of a wooden toy horse because the replicant memories are the memories of the replicant are artificial. Uh, Kay's holographic girlfriend, joy, which, Oh my God, that's a whole nother section. Jesus. Where do you sign up for one of those? (laughs) Kay's holographic girlfriend, joy, uh, believes this is evidence that Kay was born and she's kind of like filling his mind with a lot of these things. Um, I'm curious what her ultimate uh, goal is. Joy reminds me a lot of um, the character that Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with in her. And it's very believable after watching this how you could probably end up. People are going to date holograms people are going to date their echo devices they're going to date technology because technology is going to be at a point where it's going to feel and seem seamless and just like almost everything i I, i'm not saying it's a right thing i'm not saying it's a wrong thing i'm just saying this looks like the future in many scary ways so um, so Kay is being told this by Joy about, you know, his, it, are you a real boy kind of thing? It kind of feels a little bit like a Pinocchio thing, you know, I'm a real boy, you know, <laughs> but, um, so Joy believes this is evidence that Kay was born, not created. He searches LAP, LAPD records and discovers twin borns, twins born on the date with identical DNA aside from sex crumbs, chromosome. But the boy is listed as alive. Kay tracks the child to an orphanage to an orphanage in ruined San Diego, but discovers the records from the year to be uh, to be missing. And I could go on and on about how everything just looks phenomenal. I love just the big, massive statues they have in like San Diego and just how San Diego's look like it's fallen and all this stuff. It's just like phenomenal to look at. I'm, I can't really say good enough good things about how good this movie looks. Um, so, uh, what else do we have? Um, so Kay tracks a child to an orphanage in ruined San Diego, but discovers the records from that year to be missing. Kay recognizes the orphanage from his memories and finds the toy, the toy horse where he remembers hiding it. So is he a real boy? Dr. Anne Staline, a replicant memory designer, confirms that the memory of the orphanage is real he's the young boy um and dr ann was she's played by uh carla jury a replicant memory designer and she's like stuck in this like big bubble dome design so a replicant memory designer confirms the memory of the orphanage is real when she looks into his thing uh into his mind um 
leading Kay to conclude that he is Rachel's son. At LAPD headquarters, Kay fails a post-traumatic baseline test, which I love these tests. I know this was a big part of the first movie that I kind of didn't understand at first, but now it makes 100% sense about why they're doing this like, shing, what do you believe in? Are you Ryan Gosling or are you Ryan Reynolds? Shim. And then it's like, it's look. it looks like a HAL 3000 or HAL how 1000 or whatever the fuck 2000 3000 um it looks like that robot like interviewing ryan gosling while he's doing this like psychological exam about like are you a robot Psh, do you believe you're human Psh, are you gonna be whooping people's ass Psh, and it's like oh shit and so he has to go do this test and they're like holy santa claus shit he's way off baseline and um so marking him as a rogue replicant, he lies to Joshy by uh, Robin Wright by implying he killed the replicant child. I don't think I, – I was surprised that she believes him. Joshy gives Kay 48 hours to base uh, – 48 hours to base – sorry. Robin Wright gives Kay 48 hours to pass the baseline test or he will be retired. At Joy's request, Kay reluctantly transfers her to a mobile emitter so he cannot be tracked through her console memory files. I do got to say there is a crazy fucking sex scene between Joy. I think this is uh, between the time of him going out to San Diego. But Joy basically uh, links up with this prostitute lady who I think is a robot, and the robot is taking over the form of the body, and Joy jumps in like a hologram, and like her hologram is over the other lady's face, and so it's like this crazy hologram slash prostitute lady like going in and out of the same thing. I, it's so hard to kind of describe. You got to see the scene. It is... One, from a technical angle, it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. i got to say that the um, the sex scene between them is – and it's not even like they're like going through the – not actually having sex, but it's, it's all like them kind of aligning as one person. And it is one of the coolest thing. Joy and this, uh, this uh, other lady, I think her name's Love. Is it Love? Yeah, I'm going to say it's love. Um, when they're like combining together, I'm just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. So um, we have to continue on and continue on. I told you this is a dense one. We good on time, good on memory, good on that. Check, check, check. Okay, so Kay reluctantly transfers to, reluctantly transfers um, basically his like, Siri companion Joy. She's and she's been like helping him out. She's like a 1950s housewife running around in this place. I do gotta say, Kay has a nice ass apartment in a terrible location. It's like they have shit written all over the wall, Skinner or something like that. They call him all these different names. A lot of people were calling him like side names. Um, uh, I think it's like derogatory for being a robot. Or a replicant, or a replicant that hunts other replicants. I'm not really sure. Um, 
So Kay reluctantly transfers her to a mobile emitter so he cannot be tracked through her console memory files. Um, he has the toy horse uh, analyzed, revealing traces of radiation that could lead him to the ruins of Las Vegas. I do got to say before we continue uh, uh, down this path, um, Joy is being advertised and marketed to like the entire world. I mean, she is giant, blown up at, at like 12 stories high as a hologram dancing around naked looking purple. And it is one of the coolest looking things and also one of the most sad looking things because it's undoubtedly going to happen someday i feel like we're, we're we're heading to this world rapidly i mean if we can do it most people are going to say why not i'm sorry so <laughs> y'all just wait in the future there's probably going to be giant naked holographic people um swinging everything from 12 stories high so y'all just get ready for that. <laughs> y'all just get ready for all of that. And I wonder if um, I, I couldn't really tell on Kay's face if he was sad that he was falling in love for with Joy, even though she's like readily accessible within everybody else i know her specific memories entangled with him are going to be destroyed here very soon but still i'm like there's scenes with him like acknowledging that she is still very much a possession that anyone can have feels like it might not be the thing that he's looking for in, in, in the end but i'm not really sure he finds deckard um harrison ford in the middle of uh fucking uh Las Vegas, and they literally have like a knockout slug out fire. Like, ah! he's like, ah! and here's for like, ah! and they literally uh, are fighting in this um, location, which is very cool. It's like an old casino uh, place that has really cool holographic uh, vignettes of older actors, sorry, older, um, older performers. Um, such as like Marilyn Monroe to Elvis to uh, I, I forgot who else was on there. But um, there was a ton of like these cool different elements when they're fighting and they're in this big auditorium, which has these lights going everywhere. And Harrison just getting Harrison Ford in there, giving him a nice old. Bah! It was hilarious seeing Harrison Ford just like punch him like 20 different times. And he was like, ah, oh, I like this song. You know, he's, he's just like, I, I don't want to fight anymore. <laughs> and you could just see it in Harrison Ford's face after he like literally is shooting him, trying to kill Kay several times. And, and Kay is just taking every punch, falling off of like a second story. It is hilarious. So, um, and of course it's like the slow moving camera when Kay's walking in originally very cold and quiet. And then when this fight is happening, it's awesome with the mix with the sound of, of the music and it not really working and it kind of just flashing all over the place. It's just like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. You aren't going to see this anywhere else. And that's why you want to watch it on the biggest screen possible. So. He finds Deckard, who tells him that he is the father of Rachel's child and scrambled the birth records to protect the child's identity. And he's kind of like 
you know who you are and you know what you did, right? And Harrison Ford's like, you know, I'm sorry about that. And there's this whole ambiguous part of the movie of the first one, I believe. This is sort of a spoiler for the first one that I know of, is that you're wondering and questioning is – Harrison Ford, a replicant at the end of that movie. And I believe there has been other movies that have said, yes, he is, or yes, he's not, um, you know, not confirmed one or the other. I believe he is, which would make it more interesting, I guess. I, 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 I'm still in a questioning mode about it. Um, he finds Deckard who tells him that he's the father of Rachel's child and, and, scrambled the birth records to protect the child's identity. Deckard left Deckard left the child in the custody of the replicants uh freedom movement. So love kills Joshi. Okay, so sorry, love is not um the lady earlier that is in the love is uh Jared Leto's like henchman lady. Um, she did not do the prostitution stuff earlier. Um, I think it was Mackenzie Davis. That did. Yeah, Mackenzie Davis did. Yeah, as Mar Mariette. Yeah, Mariette and Ana de Armas are like the dream queen team. <laughs> uh, so love kills Joshi when she shows up, and Robin Wright's like, "I ain't gonna do you nothing." And she just goes like stabbed right in the middle. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Well. I guess you didn't see that coming. And Joshi uh, tracks Kay to Las Vegas. Um, she kidnaps Deckard. And and I like this, the scene of them shooting outside of the police academy when they're showing um, Robin Wright getting stabbed in the stomach, like straight getting gutted like a fish. I was like, God dang, you ain't got to do Jenny like that. God. <laughs> She kidnaps Deckard, which is a crazy ass thing. You know, they're sitting down having a couple beers. I could honestly listen to a podcast probably with Harrison Ford and somebody. I don't know about with uh, Ryan Gosling, but somebody. They were just having a nice little conversation. And then all of a sudden, uh, get out of the way. Um, uh, it's like they, they, there's stuff coming up on the beeper. It's like, who did you bring? You know, Harrison Ford's like, what the fuck? Who'd you bring? And then he's like, we got to fucking run. And he's like going to the fucking car. And then you see fucking K go through the fucking wall. I, I forgot that he's a fucking robot. Sometimes that, that just takes me off guard. And he's just like, like if he's a robot, he's just using all his robot strength. Right. So I was like, Jesus, that's crazy. So, um, <laughs> he goes through the wall and then they, uh, they're trying to get to the car and then it blows up and then all of a sudden we have this big action scene. I mean, it's a relative action scene with you know them trying to fight back all these guys and basically Love comes in, whoops they ass, kicks them down while they down, takes uh, Joy and Joy's like, I love – and then she gets you know knocked down. I did forget to mention the part where uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, Joy are in the – basically the uh, – uh, in the car flying down to find Harrison Ford and they get shot like several times by like these Russian like homeless guys that are like in the middle of the fields that are trying to take the parts and he's like ah! and he's like it looks like the fucking Batmobile he's like going down we're going down and then like there's the uh, he's like 
it's going down. And this is all before he meets Harrison Ford. I kind of forgot to give – they didn't really mention this in the thing. But um, yeah, you know, Ryan Gosling's like – and then Joy is like glitching out. She's like – she's like cake, cake. Okay, like outside of the thing, like trying to like knock on the window, like you gotta wake fuck up, you gotta wake the fuck up, and um, yeah, basically he doesn't wake the f up until they're all like trying to get him out of the thing, and he he like finally gets out. He's like, and then um, that's when um, uh, love comes in and starts shooting these massive missiles from the thing. She's like getting her nails done. She's like 24 West. And then it's like people getting blown out of left field. I was just like, this is crazy. It's uh, warfare in the future. You're just going to be sitting, getting your nails done, doing whatever you want to do. Maybe you're taking a bath like um, Master P was. And he's just going to be like 22 coordinates to the left or to east and boom and you're done and so that's how that's how that action scene went so um yeah i told you it's a fucking long movie it's yeah so uh k is kidnapped um by love she destroys joy and leaves k to die the replicant freedom movement rescues k when their leader fraser tells him that she helped deliver Rachel's child and that the child was a girl, not a guy. Kay understands that he is not Rachel's child, which is like, holy shit, I thought we were confused enough about this movie, but keep on going. He's not Rachel's child. So that means Harrison Ford is not his father. You are not the father. Um, or he still is the father, but not Harrison He's not Kay's dad. Uh, he deduces that Staline is her daughter and that her the memory of the boy, sorry, the memory of the toy horse is hers. One she implanted amongst those of other replicants whose memories she designed, um, which she kind of went against that. So I kind of feel like she lied. I'm not really sure what to think about that. Didn't have to do all this just to find out that, I guess. To prevent Deckard from leading Wallace to Stellan or the freedom movement. I guess that sort of makes sense, just to kind of scramble the location. Fraser asks Kay to, to kill Deckard for all replicants' greater good. Sorry, Fraser asks Kay to kill Deckard for all replicants' greater good. I'm not really sure if that's... Mm, if that's the best course of action, I guess because he has the information and the knowledge. Love takes Deckard to Wallace Corporation headquarters to meet Wallace. What about Wallace? Uh, Wallace offers Deckard a clone of Rachel in exchange for revealing what he knows. Deckard refuse, refuses. And it's amazing how they do a replication of uh, – of the original Rachel. Um, she looks exactly like it. I could tell maybe a splash of CGI, but I was like, this is, this is pretty impressive. Um, and so it's like sort of like a cameo having her, um, where are we at? Okay. So 
He refuses and the clone is killed. And I do got to say there's a, a scene earlier with Jared Leto. There's about three scenes with Jared Leto. The introduction where he's like, where the fuck have you been? Like blind, looking blind in, in the contacts and stuff like that. Uh, and he does another one where he's kind of telling love what the what the heck the move is. And it's when this body comes, a clone is like shifted, comes all the way down. And he's like, ah, yes, happy birthday, young girl. And there's these little things that look like they're from Dune. They're like, bzz, bzz, bzz. they're like circling around her and stuff like that, like analyzing to see if she knows how to be a replicant or something like that, or uh, replicate a replicant. And it's like, and eh, don't know her. So he got her again. And it was like, oh, Jesus. Um, so this is the third time that we see Leto and he's uh, killing another clone. I mean, you can kind of tell how he, he has this weird fascination with definitely like wanting to love them like in weird ways. But then he also like loves them like children. So it's like it's like definitely the the weird offset of this character. And so he he treats them as prey as or, you know, just as as meat as well. So as um, not as prey, but as meat. Um, so as love transports Decker to be tortured and interrogated off world, Kay intercepts love's shuttle and tries to rescue Deckard. He lights he lights, sorry, he fights love and manages to drown her. I mean, she's basically whooping his ass, but I mean, it's kind of a cool scene. It's it's a little bit dark for my my taste, but it's still like, oh shit. But he is mortally wounded. He stages Deckard's death to protect him from Wallace and the replicants' freedom movement from before taking Deckard to Stellan Stelline's office and handing him her her to- toy horse. As Kay lies motionless on the steps, looking up at the snow, um, looking up at the snow falling from the sky, Deckard enters the building and meets his daughter for the first time. And that, my friends, is the end of Blade Runner 2049. For the full review, go on LuckyDollPodcast.com. Thank you for watching, listening, Podcast. Let me know what you thought about Blade Runner 2049. Thumbs up, subscribe. You know what to do. Podcast. Thumbs up. Subscribe. Do what you gotta do. What did you think about the movie? What did uh what did you think about the end of uh Blade Runner 2049? Was it everything you wanted and more? Was it confusing as hell? Does it make more sense now that we've kind of broken it down? Actually, kind of looking at the bare basics of it, it doesn't seem too confusing. It's basically um you know, a rekindling of the the father and a daughter. I would say the plot holes for me, if there were any, I'm not saying that there's major plot holes, but I would say like, why weren't there other replicants looking for this toy horse? Why? Um, it kind of feels like there should have been like another replicant that was looking in that direction. But I don't know, maybe maybe it's it's all about Kay wanting to feel like a real person, like a, like a real boy. But yeah, I don't know, something like that. But um, that would be my only big um, nitpick in it. Um, let me see. I got to say, I love all of the the casting and the the casting for all of Villeneuve's movies have been phenomenal. On top of the looks, I really think he nails the casting as well. I don't know if he's got overall arching say of it, but whoever is in charge of his casting is like on point. Definitely like some Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Um, 
So, yeah, they've been trying to uh, get this off for night since the early uh, 1990s and disputes over the novel in 1968. Wow, that's a that was a quite a while. So let me see if there's anything else we need to discuss. I think that's about it. Thank you for listening, watching Look It All podcast. Take it easy. Oh, shit. Blade Runner 29 is the third Deacons Villeneuve collaboration. Prisoners, Sicario. Damn. Check out the other videos. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. What? what I'm, I, I did the podcast. What, what? What do you want me to do? Oh yeah, check out the 360 if you want to hang out in studio. We got a 360 camera as well. More podcasts coming down the tube. Thank you for listening, watching, like the podcast. Take it easy. I always told you, you're special. Your story isn't over yet. There's still a page left.